Yeah, the one that we sang was coming out of Second Chronicles, uh, chapter seven. You know, if my people call on my name, and I think it's interesting how many. Definitely a, a, a verse that we can certainly need in our country today. Israel needed it in, in their its day and does today as well, uh, calling on His name. And so I'd like to just do a little bit of an, uh, an independence message. Did also wanted to mention uh, two weeks from today we'll have. Uh, Adam and Tasha and stuff will be here, and they're going to have a service. We're also going to have a fellowship. This is kind of a potluck deal afterward, uh, for the for not only for them but for the entire church. So I'm sure more will be coming out on that. Uh, so you can uh, start uh, honing up on your special things you want to bring. You can bring them next week if you want to try it. <laughs> but uh, let's just think about guys are doing Independence Day. Uh, I wanted to. So how many years have we been celebrating our independence here in this country? Come on. Hmm? 246. I just want to check everybody's math out there. Last year was 245. So. All right, you think about it. We're celebrating 246 years of our independence. Did it cost anything? Do we ever consider the parallel between the independence of our nation and the independence of our own soul? A lot of uh, different things you have between. And so I kind of want to make that parallel between the two as we go through them, doing that different parallels. But just, uh, you know, obviously with freedom, when they, as America, when we got our freedom, did we also have laws afterward? We get our freedom from the Lord, and do we also have laws? And so I think it's interesting when you start making the parallels. Just some trivia, see how well you are. How many signed the Declaration of Independence? This is history class. Thank you. 36. 36 and 20 would be, 36 and 20 would be? 56. Oh, there you go, you got 56, all right. How many future presidents signed it? Three. Three. Okay, one said five, one said three. Okay, who uh, who do you believe signed it? Jefferson? Adams? Madison didn't become president, so. George Washington. Okay. Only two signed it. So of those three you mentioned, the first three presidents of the United States, which one of the first three presidents didn't sign it? Washington. And why did Washington not sign it? He was defending New York City. He couldn't sign it. He wasn't there. Okay, how long did it take for all 56 people to sign it? How long did it take for to get the signature, all 56 signatures? Six months. You think about it, 13 states going up and, and having to think about it, but you know, they'd have to, you know, get on a horse or do whatever to get down to the another to get it. <coughs> who was the, uh, how old was the oldest and who was it, you know? Benjamin Franklin? And how old was it? 
He was 70. Stop and think about it, Amy. That's uh, okay. The youngest. How old was the youngest? Twenty-six. Two of them from South Carolina. Twenty-six years of age. Okay, who's the father of the Constitution? Considered the father to be Madison, James Madison. Okay. Of the first three presidents, who didn't sign the Constitution? No, no, no. Declaration of Independence. Who didn't sign the Constitution? Jefferson. Why did Jefferson not sign the Constitution? Because he was our representative in France, and he was in France. Some interesting things when you look at the, the different things. Do you also realize later on we have certain copies out that you have a woman's signature on it? She actually was the one who was writing it, and she's on not some of the early ones she actually had her signature on. So you think about it, those are just some of the trivia, but you often when you look at some of the different ones, but it did cost. The problem, obviously, the independence, and same with our independence, but think about the problem. The colonies had problem, and they had tax without representation. And that's what they wanted. So they had attempts to, uh, to try to resolve it, the Boston Tea Party being one of them, trying to get it resolved, and the king didn't want it. What about with you and mankind? Are we under bondage of sin? Okay. All of sin can short of the glory of God. Isn't that what told in Romans chapter 3? It's interesting when you look at Romans 3 in verse 10 to 12, quoting from the Old Testament, it said, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and no one seeks it. It's amazing how many people really believe that statement. I never forget talking to somebody 45, 46 years ago, talking about salvation. They said, I've never sinned in my life. To my mind, I thought you did two ways. You just lied and you have pride. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I was talking to him, and I basically I told her, if that's the case, then you don't need Jesus Christ. If you've never sinned, then you don't need a Savior. But obviously we all know better than that. But how do you define sin? You think that's so uh, simple. Pardon? I don't know. <laughs> but what you know, it was interesting what it was is we were at, I was in an evangelism class and at that time going across the United States they took everybody's major cities, took all the phone books, you all recall. And they divided their phone books up to every person and they basically had every uh, believer you're going to take and you're going to call this many people and you're going to witness to them over the phone and you weren't supposed to deviate from what was being said and so you are a sinner aren't you and you gave them the answer based on how you were saying it but uh, anyway so she you know, interestingly talked to him uh, we weren't supposed to deviate but a good friend of mine buddy rogers uh, when he came to college he went through a bible college in just over two years took a four-year program and uh, for two years. He knew seven languages by the time I came to him at 18 years of age. He called up and was a Jewish person. How well do you think it's going to go over when he goes over talking to a Jewish person? Knowing his Old Testament and knowing all that, he didn't use any of the material that was given to us. He went strictly straight to the Old Testament. 
the witness, and I think it's important for us to recognize a method is simply a method, but the principles are the same. But think about it. What about the definition of sin? How do you define sin? Because I think it's so important in our culture and the society we live today. How do you define sin? 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 gives you the definition of sin. What is it? Sin is flawlessness. So it's breaking any of God's laws or standards. Not my law, God's law. And so I think it's important breaking any of God's laws or standards because there's a big debate obviously going on in our country today as to what is, are there any absolutes? You know, the Word of God is what it is. It's the Word of God and there is, whatever He says is an absolute is an absolute. So notice that's their, <coughs> the problem that <coughs> the, the economies had is obviously taxes were going up and no representation and they didn't like it. The problem mankind has is we have sin. Without the shedding of blood, according to Hebrews 9, 22, there's no remission of sin. You have to have a perfect sacrifice. We're stuck, aren't we? Colonists were stuck, and we are. So what about the proposals? The colonists had three proposals. Lower the taxes and give us representation. Second one, remain under England's domain and pay the increasing taxes. Or third, to do what? Revolt and fight your independence. That's their options. You know, think about the proposal for mankind with sin. You have a lot of different ones that proposed. Uh, Islam has the five pillars. You do these five things, and you get, uh, you know, whether make a trip to Mecca, whether it's certain percentage of your money you're supposed to give, the good works. Buddha has the eightfold path on how you get there. You have Hinduism, which is, has over you know, thousands of gods, but basically it's broken up into three parts, Hinduism is. You get there through good works, you get there through devotion, or you get there through knowledge. And most people, if you talk to them, they believe they're getting to heaven through good works. But the problem with good works, let's look at a couple passages. Look over in Isaiah 64 for a moment. Notice in verse 6, Isaiah 64, 6. For all of us have come like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds are, what does it say? You know, how do you look at the good things you're doing and say, hey man, that's just nothing but a filthy rag? <laughs> you know? Since it's just adults here, do you realize that filthy rag is actually the word used for the rags that a woman used during her monthly period? That's the word. Filthy rag. Look over in Romans chapter 4 and verse 4. Verse 3 of chapter 4 is interesting. If you remember the first three, three chapters of Romans, it was basically chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, the power of God to, to salvation both to the Jew and to the Greek. And then he has to, before you can get somebody saved, you have to get them lost. So in chapter 
1, verse 18 through chapter 3, if you remember, he's proving everybody's a sinner. He does it with the Jew, he does it with the moralist, and he does it with the Gentile. That's why he ends in verse 23 of chapter 3, all have sinned and what? I'm sure of the glory of God. Now he has to present then how you get saved, and that's what he's doing. Notice in verse 3, for what does Scripture say? And Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him for righteousness. So Abraham didn't get there through good works. Abraham got there through belief. Righteousness. Notice in verse 4 then, of chapter 4, now to the one who works, his wage is not reckoned as a favor, but as what? His due. He's the creator. I owe him good works. I will never get to heaven on good works because I owe it to him. Because he bought us. When I my car starts up, I don't reward the car to say good. I'm thankful. But that's what I paid for. For the thing to start and to run. He bought us. He paid for it. If you think about it, the problem with good works, obviously... It will not get us to good. But think about it too. Just how many good works would it take? Would all of us have the same number? Yeah. Would all so you have? Would Hitler have to do more good works than say a good moralist? And you you think about it. You're on a slope that you'll never get, and you'll always have to have more because the more we sin, the older we get, the more sin we're going to have. So what? So you would never know. But it's not what Scripture says. If Scripture is really what it says. So think about it. One option, one proposal then would be just like with the, the colonists had three proposals. For our salvation then, you had two proposals. One is good works. Whatever form you want to use of good works. The other is obviously in Ephesians. Look over, we know it well, Ephesians 2 and verse 8 and 9, and then also verse 10. And I think we can quote it, <clears throat> for by grace, what? Okay, so notice it's the grace of God. Grace meaning what? Okay, how many of you, you stop and you think about it, how many times do we really believe that? Or how many of us live the other way? God, you're so lucky to have me on your team. I've seen plenty of Christians who act that way. We're saved by grace and we're saved by mercy. Okay, so notice you're saved by grace. Keep reading. What's the next thing? For by grace you've been saved through what? So my part is faith. I wasn't there. I wasn't there when he died on the cross. I wasn't there when he rose from the dead. I wasn't there when he came from heaven. I have to, by faith, believe in the in the virgin birth of Christ. I have to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But then I have a pretty good authority in the Word of God that says He did in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. So it's grace of God, it's faith. Notice also, not of yourselves, it's a gift of, of God. If it's a gift, can I earn it? No. No. If it's something like when I go to the refinery, they pay me, do I see it as a gift or does it see it as something they owe me? Okay, so the same thing. They may, you know, times they may say it's a gift, but at times I, I think it's something they owe me. But notice when it comes to salvation, it is a gift. I, there's nothing I can do. I owe him good work. So you stop and think about it, uh, just the deal that you have. We had the problem, the colonists did, and they had a proposal. Same with our good works. There's a proposal, we're a sinner, 
Do we get there through good works, or do we get there through the faith in Jesus Christ? And you, you stop and you think about that. What proposal do we select? And what proposal are we propagating to other people? It's very, very simple for all of them. It's very simple in how you look at it. Alrighty, what about the price? There's a price. For the colonists, okay, how many did we say signed the declaration? 56. 56. Nine died before independence was won. Five were captured by the British, tortured, and killed. Twelve of their homes were burned. Nine fought and died. Two lost sons in a battle, in battles. One had two sons captured. One wife was captured and killed. We all are very familiar with what happened in Christmas in Valley Forge and just all the, what they went through. Martha Washington, you stop and think, how do you fund a war when you don't have taxes and everything else? Donations. So what did Martha do to help pay for it? She took her silver, donated all her silver. How important is silver, especially in that time, silver and everything else, at place settings and everything else that you had? Obviously, it melted down and you had paid for it. Uh, many of them died homeless and in total poverty because they gave they gave what they had, sold everything off and lost it. So you stop and think, it cost them dearly. Think about Benjamin Franklin. If you're 70 years old, are you going to be how, how are you going to really be able to, to see the benefits of your sacrifice? You'll be gone. But who is he thinking about? So you stop and think about it. What about with the uh, believer? You know, you think about it in, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, what does it make? statement? God demonstrated his love toward us in that what? Christ died for us. Okay, so Christ died for us. In Romans 3.23, what does it tell us? The wages of sin is what? Yeah. But is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Okay, so you notice then the price. Did it cost Christ something? I mean, you think about what it cost. It cost the colonists something. And freedom is only one generation away. It cost everybody something at different times. You think about it in Romans 10 and verse 9. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and thou shalt be what? Okay. Acknowledge it. Okay, so you have a price, but there's something that we have to do also. We have to believe. And it's not faith plus works, it's faith. But when you go and you go back to, uh, when you look at the Ephesians chapter 2, we quoted verse 8 and 9, but how many of you read verse 10? Most people don't have it memorized. Notice he's writing to the believers at Ephesus and he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. You're not saved by good works, but once you ask Christ as your personal Savior, he want, notice it said he prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. He has good works He wants us to do. And we're saved and we need to be doing it. So the good works will demonstrate that you're a believer, but it won't get you to heaven. But He's expecting you. So you stop and you think about that. <coughs> so the price that you have. How much are thankful for the nation we live in? Okay. 
go overseas. That's one thing I, which I always regretted. I, we were able to get Will over on a mission trip. We weren't able to get the two girls, but always one of the greatest things you can do is, to, is take a mission trip or to get your kids on a mission trip. Uh, when they see the other parts of the world, they will be so thankful for where they're at. Uh, you'll, you just don't recognize just how fortunate we are to live in the country that we live in. But I think it's interesting, as a Christian, I don't think we really recognize how thankful we should be either. Go overseas and see some of the things that people trying to get to heaven through good works and some of the stuff they're going through. Uh, the devotion is unbelievable, but it's not it's the wrong way. But how much are really thankful for what Christ has done for us? I think it's interesting. You also have how do we handle our sin? Obviously in first John one nine we confess our sin, but how many of us are doing that? So you notice we've had the problem that the colonists had, the problem that we as as human beings have with sin. You have the proposal. Colonists had a proposal. They had three of them. They chose to re, to uh, to revolt, and they paid a price, but they got their freedom. But they also, when you think about it, we have a price too that was paid because we cannot save ourselves. Because we're not a perfect sacrifice. It had to be a blood sacrifice, and Christ did it for us. So, what about the purpose? Okay, so when the colonists got their freedom, now what? How many colonies were there? How many? Thirteen? Okay. So why did they call it the United States of America? Why did they join forces? Stronger when you have more. If they stayed independent, how long would they have been independent before England or France or somebody came along when we pick one off at a time? Not very long. And that's what made it so hard because they all had differences of opinion. They all Several times they would be in arguments and would leave, and they almost didn't form several times. And Madison and his brilliance and different ones that did it, forming it with the Bill of Rights, the amendments, and then also the Constitution, putting it together. And you stop and you think about the brilliance that they had with all that and what holds us together. And that's part of why you have it, and, and we're still battling that today. That is being battled so much today of what is states' rights and what is federal rights. And you'll have some that are going to say the federal government needs to be doing this and others saying no. Even we just got a, things just came down in the last week or two dealing with all that. States' rights. So we stop and you think about it. That's how they set it up. But what about the belief? We're set free. But for what reason? Think about it in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20. Notice it says, You have been bought with a price, therefore what? Glorify God. Glorify God how? In your body. Okay? So I'm set free, but I have a purpose. And how am I glorifying God in my body? What I take into my body, what goes out of my body, what I say, what I do, all those things. I make the choice. I'm set free, but I make the choice of what I do. And what I say, and where I go, and all the things I do. And so I think it's important. You think it's a, if you want to, uh, just purpose, you may easier the GRD, the Grand River Dam Authority. So let's just use that glory. We need to glorify. What about 2 Corinthians 5? What about the R? You know, people, uh, I have people often. Uh, talking with and make statements well I just don't know what God wants from me uh, I'll just give you three of them 
And this will be irregardless of what your gift is. We're to glorify Him. Wherever we're at, whatever we say, whatever we do. Notice the next one that you had. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll start in 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passing away, behold, and all things have become new. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled us. We were sinners. He died for us. We asked Christ our Savior, and he gave us the ministry. What does it say? He gave us the ministry of Ministry of reconciliation. How many? All of us. All of us. Notice that he goes on. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trans, uh, trespasses against them. He has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to him. We are an ambassador. If I'm an ambassador to, to any, as a, from America to any country, France, Germany, whatever, who do I represent? Okay? If I'm from America, I represent America and I do, in the interest of America. If I'm representing Christ, then I'm representing Him wherever we go to reconcile. That's what He told us. Reconcile believers back to other believers. Reconcile a non-believer to Christ in salvation. That is for every single one of us. So we don't have to ask, what does God want me to do? We have to ask, how can I do it? Where can I do it? And what's the best way to be done? It's very obvious. But obviously to bring glory to Him, and that can be a lot of different things. Reconciliation is uh, another one. What about D? Look over in Matthew chapter 5, and you all know it immediately. You can start quoting it. Uh, when you, in Matthew chapter 5, if you stop and you think about it, remember we are told that we are a, a light and we shouldn't hide it under a bushel? And... Uh, And how many of us want our light shining today? That's an important question because when we, if your light is shining as a believer today, might you get a little bit of ridicule? You might get a lot of ridicule. But you'll notice it, it's interesting that starting in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It's good for nothing anymore except to be thrown trampled under the foot of men. First of all, salt in that day was not purified like we have it. So it would have other things in it. And when you have the salt, why would they throw it out on the roads? Okay, there you go. Because there would still be some salt in it, but most of the other minerals. But it would then keep all the vegetation down. So it would be like you're mowing, the, you're mowing the road, but you wouldn't have to be mowing the road. Okay, so we're supposed to be salt. Salt we use for preserving, used for flavor, be used for a lot of different things. Think about how salt was used then. Plenty. Yes, plenty, and we should be likewise a lot of things. How many of our speech preserving things? Doing different. But then notice the next one. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. No matter how much you want to hide, if you're the light, you will be shown. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under effect measure put on a lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. Notice then the D. 
Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify who? That's a big if. Because people can see my good works and glorify who? They can glorify me. So we are supposed to be doing good works, but I do it for whose glory? Am I doing it for God's glory, or am I doing it for my own benefit, my own glory? And it's very, very obvious when people know you. That's also what you have in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, that the motive will come out. We don't know people's motive, but God does, and it will come out in its own time. So think about the purpose that they had. They wanted freedom and to govern themselves. We were set free. We were set free so that we then might willingly bring glory to Him. We might be in the ministry of reconciliation. And we might have the deal of good deeds, bringing glory to God, all the deeds that we do. And we can ask ourselves, you think about it, you have these men that you had, they had a lot of these things. But of the 56, you stop and think about it, their families, they went through a lot. And we reap the benefits from it. But it cost them dearly. It cost them dearly. But why do we hold them in such high esteem? You think about Joseph. Why do we hold Joseph the Old Testament or even the New Testament for that matter in such high esteem what they went through and what they did for their family amazing it's also amazing Joseph being next to the youngest was the first one to die you ever wondered why his ministry was complete and the Lord took him off we never know but what about the post freedom they get their freedom now what they have to set up the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the amendments, all your state and local laws. And we're, What's the purpose of government, by the way? We're still debating that today. But no, we're not debating the purpose. We're debating how we do it. But there's basically three reasons why you have government. Three P. You have punishment, when people break laws. You have provision, what is the government going to provide? Roads, whatever, and there's a big debate as to what all government should be providing. And what's the last one? Protection. Protection. And we have debated that from the time we started, and we're still debating it today, and the pendulum will swing back and forth, and different states will swing back and forth on a different one. But that's the purpose of government in the, all the way through. We stop and think about it. What about the believers? Okay, they, had the, they willingly put themselves under. And by the way, we do this every time you get in a vehicle, do anything. You leave here and you go home. You go down here and the light, the light's green. What do you all do? So you then are believing the other side's red, and you're believing the other people are going to do what? And you believe they're going to obey the law and stop too, right? But how many of you are keeping your eye open? Because a lot of times they don't. Okay, especially now. But you think about it. We drive all the time with the assumption of watching and believing in the laws of our land. And we are under more and more debate about all the different laws that you have. But you have all the different laws. But what about the believer? We are set free. That's why in Colossians, or in Galatians, he talks about you've been set free, but watch, you're willingly putting yourself under. So you have some different laws. We saw this a few years ago. We can look at them, but uh, we're under laws today, willingly putting ourselves as believers under law. We have the law of liberty. I'm free free from the penalty of sin 
But that doesn't mean I can go do anything. That doesn't mean I can go sin and do it. Yeah, I can, but that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. So what are some laws that you have? Let's just look at a few of them. Look over in Romans chapter 13. He ends up giving a lot of laws in the book of Romans that we willingly, as a believer, should put ourselves underneath. Romans chapter 13, notice in verse 5, Romans 13, 5, Wherefore it is necessary to be in subjection, obviously with government, not only because of wrath, obviously government has laws, you break the law, and what's going to happen? You have the wrath of government, but also for conscience sake, the law of conscience. If you read a little further on, and obviously in the previous chapter, if you go against your conscience, it says to him it is sin. We have the law of conscience. Any of you ever started saying some things that you knew wasn't right, and your conscience is saying what? And then what do we do? And then what happens? Okay, so we have the law of conscience. Are we living with the law of conscience? I think the older that we get, the more free we are with our words. I used to people where, well, they're going to think this, they're going to think that about me later. So I don't care what they think, I'll say whatever I want. And what happens is the older people, yeah, we well, you know how you feel, but it can, there's a lot of fire that comes out and a lot of damage is done. So you have the law of conscience. Uh, you go on, <clears throat> you think about it. What about in verse 8? Talks about paying taxes in verse 6 and 7 and verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love your neighbor. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. The law of love. Well, they don't deserve it. That's not the issue. You know, a new commandment I give unto you that you what? He bought us. He gave us a, he gave us a law, a commandment. I'm going to be obedient to him. It's not whether they deserve it or not. It's totally irrelevant. Uh, with your kids, do they always deserve your love? No. You love them. That's why in 1 Peter 4, love covers a multitude of what? Sins. So you have the law of conscience that we're under. We have the law of liberty that we're under. You have the law of love that we're under. What about chapter 14 of Romans? We can go, it's talking about the weaker brother. And go up to verse 10. We'll, go, we'll actually get it in verse 12. But notice, it's very easy to judge our brothers. But notice in verse 10, you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? We shall all stand for the judgment seat of God. For it is written, I, I, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow before me, and every tongue shall give praise to him. So then each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Law of accountability. Am I going to say, am I have to give an account? Does it say we're not going to give an account for every word we say? Every deed that we did or didn't do? So how many of us are keep that on our mind? You know, did that ever happen when growing up? I remember you, know, you made your life with, if you get in trouble at home, at school, what's going to happen when you got home? 
And I knew that was a true law. <laughs> law of accountability. And it's amazing how well that word will travel. I didn't want to get it when I got home. You know? So it's amazing. The entire time I went all the way through school, I only got one slot in my entire life at school. And you know what I got it for? I was in shop class. Now, how many of you know what a plane is? A plane has to be laying on its side or else you'll mess it up. I was planning, I was making something, and I set it up straight up on the blade, reached down to get something, realized it, quickly grabbed it, set it on its side. It wasn't there for 10 seconds. Corver, two swats. That's the, you know, that's the way that he was. But he was that way with every person in every class. I never set the plane wrong again. But you think about it, the law of accountability. The, the law was put out, but it was there. But we have a law of accountability. We're going to stand before him one day. I think what happens is we don't think about it. We get away with things. We do things. We say things. It may make us feel better initially, but we will. And the consequences are, are very great. What about the chapter 15? Notice in verse 5. Now may the God who gives uh, perseverance and encouragement grant you to be in the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. And that with one accord you may with one voice glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. The law of imitation. How many of you are like Christ? Are we being like Christ? What would Christ do? Philippians 2, have this mind with you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Did You think about Philippians 4, he gave up heaven to come to this earth, and we're supposed to have the same mind. Don't think too highly of yourself. You think about it. The law of conscience, we have it. The law of love, we should be governed by it. The law of accountability, we don't think about it, but we're going to stand and give an account. The law of imitation, how many of us... What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus? Where would He go? That is what we should all be asking because we are little Christ, are we not? So we have post freedom, but what are we doing with that freedom? You think about it. You have those. You also have partners and everything else. That's why they formed the, the United States of America. The partnership. We have partnerships too with believers. You also have pitfalls. Not all states look the same and think the same way, do they? Certainly not today either. So think about it. So we look at it today, we, this analogy that you have, we do have this great nation that we live in, but there was a great price that they paid. But they also gave us tremendous things with which to govern ourselves. We have the Word of God to govern ourselves. But we have a lot of things that you and I can do today to represent Christ, to bring glory to Him, the, uh, to think about reconciliation, and good deeds. You know, if you have no good deeds that you can't think of, Grady often makes a statement, if you have nothing else to pray about, do what, Grady? Pray for me. That's right. Alright? You don't, if you can't think of anybody to pray for, I think there's several in this room will be more than happy to tell you to pray for them. And I'd be the first one to do 